This week on the Koshcast. City win the league as Liverpool concede defeat in a title race that held Pep's feet to the heat, but ultimately couldn't push him off his seat. We'll look at what's next for the rest of the top six, preview the Europa and Champions League finals and make our picks, hand out some awards of our own, and sneak off to Europe, where Juventus lost in Rome. All this, a Canadian Premier League roundup, and a Liverpool supporting special guest. We go again. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Koshcast on underthekoshblog.com and at under underscore the Kosh on Twitter. My name is Alex. Bernie is here. Hello, hello. And joining us today, Liverpool fan extraordinaire Omar Abdul Jalil. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. We uh, have been trying to get you on for a little while no, to get not. to get that Liverpool. <laughs> no, you've not. Get that Liverpool perspective that we that we ordinarily lack. I, so. I needed to make sure I'm here with Bernie just so we can we can have the banter going. But excellent. excellent. We've done this before, and I think we were quite civil that time. We were, but the gap wasn't as high. Oh, oh it begins. <laughs> it begins already. All right. Well, it is the end of Premier League, English Premier League. We have to stipulate that now. Yeah. Uh, season, podcast. It's been an amazing season. For I mean, there have been multiple narratives. Better storylines than Game of Thrones by far this latest it's season. It's been a trash season. It's been trash. Right. Um, <laughs> um, so where do we want to start? With the title race? Yeah. I think you have to give you have to give City and Liverpool to lesser degree, but City their respect um, where it's due. So uh, sensational season uh, again. I mean, was it ninety eight points? And the last time it was a hundred yeah. plus or something like that. Like it's it's unbelievable return. You have to give them a lot of a lot of credit for that. So City basically said we'll need less points than last year. We can ease off just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You know? they really went for the minimum, and that was 98. That yeah. was a little record-breaking. <laughs> All right, let, let's start at the beginning. City crushed the league last season, yeah. absolutely crushed it. And at that point, it felt like, can anyone actually get close to them? I think, well, you know, Liverpool are the title challengers this year. They were, what, 20 points off? They were, they were 25 points off okay. last season. Omar, did you have any realistic expectation of challenging for this title? I expected a challenge until game week 30. And then I knew City would just go off. I didn't expect it to be this close. But even in the summer, like yeah. when, when you were bringing in Van Dijk and Allison and and um, Fabinho and Fabinho and Keita, did you think right this is a team that can now challenge? I thought that was a proper team. I thought what they were missing really was was Fabinho. I mean, they did bring in Allison, who was a huge improvement on on Mignolet or, or Carey especially. But it's it's the Fabinho addition that was like that really. Um, added the cherry to the top. Fair enough. Were you worried then that it took him, what, half a season maybe to adapt and to actually integrate into the team? No, actually, because he, he did the exact same thing with uh, Andrew Robertson, mm. who was someone who was on a, on a relegated side, and now he's the left, the best left back in the Premier League, one of the best in the world. By far. Yes. Like, actually, Definitely. by far. Uh, for, for me, I thought that Liverpool... I thought they'd be third or something like that. I thought 25 points, you know, difference was too far, especially, you know, obviously before the summer, didn't think that United would capitulate the way that they did. So yeah. there were at least two teams, and I thought Chelsea, sorry, I actually liked that idea. So I thought there were two teams ahead of you. But even if, they, even if someone was going to challenge, I thought you would have to bring the points margin, the points total down to about like 85, 88 or something like that for anyone to have a realistic chance. But for Liverpool to get 97 points, that's unbelievable. Yeah, that was definitely not something I was expecting. And and you, you again, you hear it game week 30, game week 34, you always hear, yeah, yeah, one of those teams is definitely dropping points. And mm. they just went on an incredible winning record. It, it, the consistency of City and Liverpool was in stark contrast to the massive shambles that was the rest of the top six. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, Spurs were there with the, with the consistency for maybe the first half of the season, then fell off massively. And then Arsenal, United, and Chelsea have just been all over the place. Chelsea, unbeaten for the first what eleven, twelve games, yeah. looked like they might be title challengers. Even Sarri was surprised. He was like, "Oh, maybe we're better than I thought we were." And then a few months later, he was like, "No, we're definitely worse than I thought we were." Yeah. Um, so it's just it's just been so interesting to see those two teams rocket so far out in front of the and rest. Liverpool with one loss and that one loss was City and it was 
what, 0.05 millimeters or, or something um, stupid something like that crazy. that I'm holding across that's the line? That's the title right there. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's nuts. It absolutely is. But, and, and Mohanan has brought this up, and I feel that Liverpool, it's very strange to say that you blew a title when you get 97 points, right? It's in, in an ordinary world, we're not having this conversation. Liverpool win the league, done. Especially with the goals scored, the defensive record was unbelievable. But you did have a nine-point gap in December going into the new year. Right. That is, as weird as it sounds to say, that's unforgivable. I disagree. Man City has won 18 of the last 19 games, or you know, some insane record like that. Um, you're bound to lose points. You're bound to drop points. This is Man City. This is Pep. This is definitely one of the best teams ever to play in the Premier League. You're, you're bound to, to lose that gap. Shall, shall I give you a stat to back up your point? Yeah. City have gained 198 out of a possible 228 Premier League points over the last two seasons. Yeah. I mean, that's completely bonkers. Yeah, just because it's normal for them, it can't be normal for Liverpool, who, like you said, had a 24-point point. No, I, I, I agree with that. I'm just saying, that's why I said it's a little bit weird to think about, but no other team, right? And this is not even banter. This is the fact is the only team that has lost uh, a league title when being ahead in December is Liverpool. And that's three, three times. Three times, yeah. Three times, but the, which is each of the last three times that Look, they've been in contention. You have to be known for something. Exactly. <laughs> but it's like, you had nine points. There's, I get it, Man City can do whatever they want to do. They're a brilliant team. But up until that point, you're leading the league nine points. The best teams know how to manage that situation. That's why it's called squeaky bum time. You yeah. manage it. When, it's, again, not the same idea, but... Jose Mourinho with that Chelsea team that won the league, and then he threw it away after. They played sexy football, actually, up until that point. But then once it came down to crunch time, he shut up shop because he wanted to make sure they got over the line. I, I'm not blaming Klopp. I don't think anyone can blame him for 97 points. But nine points, but that's, you, that's tough. But you also have to look at the squads. I mean, Man City's fourth-choice winger is 60 million Riyad Mahrez. Their, their fourth-choice center back is 50 million um, John Stones. Like, you, you look at that and then you compare it to Liverpool's squad. I mean, it's definitely nowhere near as deep. It's a really good squad. The first 13, 14, maybe 15 players are fantastic. After that, yeah, you get You don't but have a backup no, right there back. There were no major injuries to speak of. Right? Had, except for, didn't Salah get injured a little bit? Gomez, Gomez was injured. most of the season. Trent was out for a bit. For a little bit. And yeah, they had to put, true. and they sold Klein, which was a big mistake. You think so? Well, at least for that season, it's a big mistake because then they had to play Milner, then they had to play Fabinho, which is a loss in the middle. It felt like an unnecessary risk. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I thought I thought that with the debt, like so, Fabinho has played at right back at Monaco. He did numerous times, and many people thought that he was a right back. So I felt like you could sell Klein, have Fabinho fill in there. You still have Vinaldum, who I've said on this pod is a brilliant, brilliant player. Love that guy. Milner don't care for him. Now did yeah. before. How can you don't care for Milner? No, no. He's, he's been unbelievable. Now I don't care for him. The last season he was unreal. This season I don't care. Henderson don't care. But Nabi Keita started off really bad, really really bad. But to last like two months, really picked it up. So yeah. I thought your depth was actually pretty reasonable in in the center of the park, especially. You you have your really good center mids. Unfortunately, you lack an attacking mid. Our best attacking mid was Milner, which is. 33-year-old Milner, that's that's inexcusable. And then our best defensive mid outside of Fabinho is, is Henderson, which, again, is inexcusable. Yes, he's also dis he's rediscovered himself as an attacking, a free eight. As a, as a yeah. box to he, yeah. Because he's that kind of player. He, he just doesn't have a clue of where he's trying no, to go, no which is great. He just like, wants to run. It's so unpredictable to, to defend against. Yeah, no, it's true. I, I, I mean, while we're kind of talking about recruitment, in that last summer Liverpool said, here's what we need, and went out and paid the money for it and bought it. This summer, and obviously this depends on what Manchester City do, but where else do you strengthen? Beyond, I mean, your, your point is that maybe they need even more depth. But is there anything that you can do to that starting 11, really? Because you can't disrupt the front three. I think you could. Really? I think... You're going to say Firmino? I, yes. Okay. Salah and Mane are incredible. Firmino is so important to the team. It's, you just need to add goals. So maybe put Firmino as a 10. Add in a proper striker. Someone who's going to get you 30 goals a season regularly. And then you have a team. Because you have Firmino who already has his work rate. He knows how to defend. And then you have you know the double pivot with Fabinho and anyone else. So you're saying 
pretty much play more of a 4-2-3-1 with Firmino a little bit further back, Mane Salah on the wings, and then a more of a striker, Yeah, I guess. My, my only concern is... I mean, and, it, and it's worth trying. It's definitely worth trying, especially if you can find that striker that's going to score 25-30. My only concern would be, is the role that Firmino plays key to getting the best out of Salah and Mane? In that, having that someone in there who is unselfish, who isn't all about scoring goals, and you know, create space for them. It, I don't know, it feels like a central component of your game. It is, it is, but it, it's, more, it's more to do with the interchangeability of that front three rather mm. than the defensive work he does. The way Firmino goes to the right, Salah moves to the middle, or he goes to the left and Mane moves to the middle, that's something you need. So the one that I would ideally like is Timo Werner from uh, Leipzig. He's, he's amazing, he plays all around the front three, and he's, he's very interchangeable, scores tons of goals, and has a, like a, has a very high work rate. Tons of pace. I, I've seen a lot of rumors about Timo Werner, whether it's Bayern or Liverpool. I don't think he's better than Firmino. I, I, I don't. I, I think he does all the things that you're saying. Um, but this is a guy who said, well, that he has to be subbed off because the stadium was too loud. Right? Maybe he went through some therapy Sorry, or which, something. Which stadium was this? Do you not remember this? I vaguely, but I can't this remember like where it was. It was a year and a half or something ago. I, can't, I think it was in Germany. I don't remember where exactly, but... He, he, he got his hands on his ears and he subbed himself off and they're like, what happened? Like, some sensitivity to noise? I'm oh, like, going to hate you'll you, never walk alone. Like, yeah. Are you serious? Like, <laughs> yeah, he definitely won't fit there. I, I just don't think, with Firmino, his age as well, he's not an old player by any means. He still has many years to go. I would get someone who can fill in but not take that spot. So Divock Origi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, is he going to get or Dominic Solanke. Oh, <laughs> Solanke is horrendous. Um, no, it'd be interesting to see if Origi gets another chance because I assume he was written off and Twice. then he kind of worked his way in out of necessity because yeah. there was no one else. But now he's just scoring crucial goals. Yeah, he was written off in the summer. He was written off in the winter. He decided to stay. So he didn't want to move even though Klopp said, sorry, I don't want you in the club. Um, but second-choice striker Daniel Sturridge has been very disappointing. Um, it's time, no? Time to put him down? It's Yeah, definitely. Even even his... He's just... He doesn't play with heart. Mm. Even when, when Salah scores or Mane scores an important goal, you, you see everyone celebrating, even Mignolet. <laughs> but Sturridge is like, oh, okay, whatever. I didn't play a part in that goal. He's, he's selfish in that aspect, and, and that really doesn't fit in this. So let's, let's talk about heart for a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jurgen Klopp. He deserves a ton of credit, right? I think we've all ridiculed him for, you know, the fist pumping and going to the crowd and all that jazz. But it feels that even though it might seem over the top to us, the players do respond to that. Is that, is that is that something that is fair? They won't, that yeah, sense? yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, Klopp and Pochettino, most passionate managers when it comes to how they motivate their players. But Klopp has a bit extra just because he motivates his fans, which is great for that Liverpool atmosphere. And then the press conferences, he's so likable. You need that from a manager mm-hmm. because all the papers are about you. Mourinho didn't, didn't play well with the press. And unfortunately, that was the start of his downturn. Mm-hmm. It, it's mm-hmm. interesting how important that is. I mean, and I agree with you that, that Klopp and Pochettino, the fans love them, the players love them, and they're producing results that neither club has seen for a long time, right? Yeah. So even if. I know trophies are obviously important, but even if you, when you don't win things, the fans are enjoying the process and the journey, which to, to me is honestly like most of the, that's most of, of what's important because if you're enjoying it, at Bernie, you know, when you're not enjoying it, you know, you could, you, like Manchester United a couple mm-hmm. years ago won three titles. What, what did I, the do you remember cha- what I told you shield? then? Do you remember <laughs> what, what I told you then? What? Like when, uh, when Jose won the Europa League. And all that, and he was made that stupid statement about poets don't win anything or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was on this pod saying, "Fuck this guy." Yeah. Like, right. We had just won the Europe, and I, I was furious. And part of it was I'd watched this play against Ajax, and I hated what I saw. I absolutely hated it. And it's I couldn't enjoy anything. And people, were, you know, well, I'll look, this is a rant for later, but I'll get into <laughs> it. But it's just I didn't enjoy anything at all. And it's it's hard when you see Liverpool fans were you know fourth or whatever it was but you were still having fun exactly and still watching your team and I even feel Tottenham fans you know what did they have to win until this point now potential Champions League but they were enjoying the journey and I think the players of Liverpool enjoy their journey and that's really all, all it's yeah, about exactly and, and sorry Emma, just to contrast these managers now also with Unai Emery 
who, when you look at it objectively, has done a relatively good job with a weird squad. Europa League final, one point off fourth. But Arsenal fans find it very difficult to connect with him, and part of that is a language issue, which is unfortunate, and he's working on it, I'm sure, and that's difficult. But when you can't connect with a manager in that way, it's much harder to to invest and to care. I, I disagree, because Pochettino needed a translator for the first year, but he was uh. still... Not maybe as much as now, but he was more, he was loved because of like you can tell the differences between the way they played. Emery did a good job with that squad, but mm. sometimes you see a bit of Wenger there, Arsene Wenger, where it's like like in the squad or in Unai? it's just it's it's the way they play. It's this this lack of you know genuineness in in his press conferences. You don't see that with the other managers. I think with in and maybe this is a good way to segue. Although we've kind of not talked about City at all. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they're who, brilliant. Who won the damn thing? Okay, um, but sure, we're on we're on Arsenal, so let's stay there. Uh, I think part of the problem is there was that in the beginning of the season that Ozil Emery thing, and like you said, there's a bit of that Wenger stuff. Arsenal fans, I don't even know if they're necessarily mad at Emery, but they're mad at the idea that these guys that they hate. Mustafi, Shaka, in some cases Ozil, a lot of them are still there. And the anger comes when Mustafi plays and someone else maybe should play. And Shaka is there, maybe you want Guendouzi or something like that. And I think that's part of a little bit of the disconnect as well. It, It is, and I don't know Arsenal, I don't really know any Arsenal fans that dislike Emery particularly. There are some that think he's average and you know, not the person to take us further, but I don't know anyone that dislikes him. Yeah, when you talk about those players that we hate, Mustafi, Xhaka, um, there are too many. I mean, Mahana and I were talking about this, and we were like, there are maybe five players that we can count that we're actually emotionally invested in. And the rest of them, we wouldn't care if they left. Mm. Like, that's how bad the squad situation mm. has got. Chelsea's the same thing, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, but it's not particularly Emery's fault. He's had two transfer windows in one of which he wasn't allowed to sign anyone and got this yeah. weird Dennis Suarez thing that's like going to go down as one of the most bizarre transfers of all time more than Kim Karlstrom Kim Karlstrom scored a penalty in FA Cup semi-final oh, so. and Kim Karlstrom <laughs> was kind of interesting like, yeah. it was so weird that you thought I want to see how this goes Dennis Suarez you, you kind of knew what was going to happen from the beginning also Karlstrom we signed him he had a broken back yeah. Like, <laughs> he had to wait six weeks to play a game. It was, it was literally the scout's son just playing for the <laughs> yeah. And he's like, hey, by the way, I scored a hat trick with Kim Carlson the other day. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Um, but, you know, the, uh, and when Emery came in, there was Sven Mislintat and this whole new team of executives who were going to sign players for him. And now they're all gone. Yeah. And we don't quite know what the, what the process will be for signing players in the summer. We don't know what the budget's going to be, if there is one. Um, probably depends on how much they can get for these players that they no longer want so it's really hard to blame Emery for the for the squad I mean he's he's used Guendouzi well he's used his assets in Aubameyang and Lacazette to the most effective way in the most effective Aubameyang way he can is joint top scorer in yeah. the league you've got like, you 20, 25 goals that, out yeah. of both of them that's that you know he's done some impressive work but he's limited by these players so we have to see what what they'll do in the summer but there's no better for me and this is why like when he first signed I thought this is perfect if there's no better manager, in my opinion, clearly other than Pochettino, who on a shoestring budget can do things. And I think when he went to PSG and asking someone, Sevilla manager that never had any money, never dealt with anything like that, to go and do that, I think that was a step too far. But Arsenal, historically, and from what they've achieved, should be bigger than what they are today. But Kroenke and Co. are kind of saying, no, 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 we're good here. Yeah. Oh, and I think care. if you want that, if that's where the leadership of the club has decided that they're going to play, then Emery is the perfect guy. And I think Arsenal fans need to think about that more so than you know where they really think the club really should be. But, it, but that's such a, a dangerous assumption to make because look at Eddie Howe. Eddie Howe's doing a great job with Bournemouth. Um, uh, so <laughs> he, he's, doing yeah. a, he's doing a good job with Bournemouth. Yeah. No, but you look at that team, I'm sorry. That team should should have been relegated the first season, should have been relegated this I, I season. Feel like well. my, I feel like that narrative has gone up and down a little bit. That's and, and it's bound to happen, but people have said Eddie Howe should take the Arsenal job. I'm sorry, but just because you can do it with one team, yep. it doesn't mean you can do it with a bigger team. Mm-hmm. Hashtag Moyes. Mm-hmm. Hashtag Moyes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll but, get to that too. But, but, but to me, there's, there's, there's three signs of a successful season um, trophies performance and hope 
Okay, so with Arsenal, you could have a trophy, a really good trophy, Europa yep. League trophy. The performances have been great, especially at home. Some, so it, some, yeah, yeah. I mean, we can't we can't say it's a perfect season, right? But the thing is, do you have hope for next season? Do you feel like next season's going to be better than this season? Only as an Arsenal fan, to, it, that's completely reliant on recruitment because I think Emery got pretty much the best he could have got out of this squad. So unless they can upgrade the squad in a relatively significant manner, no. <laughs> but if they can, then sure. But surely that also depends on what happens around you. because Yeah, but everyone will strengthen. Apart from Chelsea, who <laughs> legally can't. Yeah, except hey. for Chelsea, and you don't know if United will have Darren Fletcher as a director of football, so whatever. <laughs> so, like, like, you look at it and you go, yeah, you could maybe scrape forth. Yeah, but, but, but don't you have hope? Because Guendouzi, um, Torreira, Socrates have been great value signings, yeah. and I think Arsenal has to depend on that. Liverpool went through that phase where they signed Sturridge and Coutinho for very cheap, and they got the best that they could out of them and more. So I, I don't disagree at all. The problem is that the guy that signed them is gone, you know, for a yeah. start. Uh, he, was, he was that key to, to signing those undervalued players. Uh, and the other thing is, you touched on something there, which is that the home performances were great. Unai Emery at Sevilla had a massive problem winning away games. They just mm-hmm. couldn't win away games. Mm-hmm. And he's got, he's got the same problem here. And it's hard not to look at that and think, here we go. He has an issue with this, <laughs> yeah. and and how is he going to solve it? Yeah. So between the between the recruitment and the slight reservations about Emery, the hope is is there. It's not distinguished completely, extinguished completely. Sorry, <laughs> but uh, but it's not. You know. Well, I think the question is hope for what? Top four. See, an improvement on this season would be finishing top four. Th- like like this, <clears throat> this is what I mean when you, when you said hope. I thought. Okay, like finishing in the top four to me, as much as it's you know you get money, realistically, and I, I said this to you guys before, what does it really do for you if you're just going to be an also ran? Like, like what really do you gain from this if you're just going to be trash? Because the way Arsenal are right now, if they win Europa League, which I think they probably will, because I think Una Emery, this is his trophy. It is. Yeah. It's just he knows this. Yeah. Sorry, forget it. It's yeah. been written. This is gonna happen. Neutral venue. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Arsenal get into the Champions League, but will Arsenal get out of a group? Maybe. I know they'll get thrashed again Correct. because Arsenal. And this is why I, I always thought when Wenger was talking about his top four trophy thing, it's just like, sure, you get there. The only thing you win is banter rights. That's it. There are two other teams below you, but. If you're not good enough to do anything, it's really, really pointless. So I was, I was talking to Mohamed before the season started about, okay, Unai Emery has this three-year plan. What would be you know, ideal for you? Maybe not ideal. What would be the expected thing? And he said, compete for a top four in the first season, which they, they have. Mm-hmm. Yep. Actually finish in top four or maybe, if better, you know, compete for the first um, three spots. And then actually compete for the league, if not win the league. Now, I don't know if you can do that with Man City and Pep, but you have to trust that process. This is his first season in England. It's a very different league to Spain. There are still some mistakes that he's making, like the away record, Mm -hmm. Um, but obviously same things that he's doing as well, like the uh, Europa League final. Yeah, no, I agree. I wouldn't say change him now, especially with the limited resources. So he's done pretty well. And next season will be very interesting, yeah. especially as he only actually has a two-year contract with with a with an option for three. Oh, oh really? So okay. like halfway through next year will be very will be very interesting to see what the club do. Or he might be very successful and leave on a free. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> true. Which is also what we specialize in. Yeah. Um, Omar, what have you thought of uh, Spurs' season? What did you expect from them, and what what do you think of what they've done? I expected them to finish in sixth and. Uh, not even get out of the group in the Champions League. Well, they nearly managed that. Yeah. <laughs> the getting out of the yeah, group. Yeah, yeah. No, they started poorly. It's just, it's unfair circumstances. Pochettino's amazing. That squad he built is really good. But he, he's getting the best of Lucas Moura, who is, has been a flop in, every, you know, everywhere he went in Europe. Um, Harry Kane has been phenomenal when he's played with them. Again, best that he could have come up with. Um, they only played three home games mm-hmm. the whole season. They're at Wembley the whole time, yeah. No. Yeah, I mean, it's it's insane. Like, they haven't spent a dime on anyone. <laughs> and they needed to. They yeah. absolutely needed to, and they didn't. And, and what... So, for me, 
everything that Tottenham has achieved is 100% down to Maurizio Pochettino. Mm -hmm. I mean, Kane went, Kane's been injured for God knows how long. You have to ask Son to do that job. If he's not properly coached, it doesn't happen. Yeah. Lucas Moore isn't properly coached, it doesn't happen. You look at, you know, it, they've done well in spite of Trippier being trash. You know, this, for me, this is good coaching. And, and what I think it comes down to, a lot of people, Mohamed will tell you that Pep Guardiola is a fraud. Okay. And at the moment. Yes. That's, and, it, that's and, his and current in, view. And in, in context, I, I believe me, that was fun saying he was a fraud on the, that, on the, the, on the Kosh cast. I'm just like shaking my head. Like, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was fun saying he was a fraud on the Kosh cast, but like in reality, he's the best manager there is today. Obviously. But the uh, difference is, well, I think he's the best in the game right now. What else would you say? You give everyone this you give everyone the same budget. Mm-hmm. Okay, and the same team. Mm -hmm. Who's going to achieve the most? You're, out of that you're team? saying Pep needs elite players to. to he succeed. does though. He needs a very and and, and this is this is where I was going with this because we said this before. If you give Pep Guardiola and I use exactly the phrase Cadiz, he will fail. It's a guarantee that Pep Guardiola will fail. That's a if team you not give, a player. If you give Zidane, <laughs> you know Hatafe, he will fail. This is how it is. But if you look at Pochettino and how he started his career, Espanyol. South, uh, Southampton, um, Tottenham, he's worked his way from the bottom up and he's shown that he can actually grind it out and keep teams up and take a Tottenham to the Champions League final. Yeah. He doesn't need elite players. I mean, we saw Pep with shitty players. And that was the first season at City. Yeah. And he almost did not make the, the top four. That's true. Do you think Pochettino's good enough to take that extra step up? Can he manage Real Madrid and make them more successful than Barcelona is right now? Yes. I actually believe it and because I think he understands how to coach a team and when you add coaching talent and money which by the way Pep has it's a, it's a formula for success and when I seen someone who's been able to take teams from just improve shitty players it's one thing to improve good players yeah or and make good players better but to make shitty players good is a much harder task the fact that they're going into a Champions League final with Ben Davis Musa Sissoko Kieran Trippier like you just think about these names and you're like these players shouldn't be anywhere near this mm -hmm. it's like it's ridiculous absolutely and I have nothing but he lost uh, uh, Kyle Walker who I think is overrated but lost Kyle Walker yeah, yeah. to Man City and what was it who's who, who, uh, Tri came in who's like, been horrendous like, we have to be real about this like it's, it's a fantastic performance fantastic job He's, to me, he's the best pound-for-pound pound manager in the league, although I give Pep his, his due. Absolutely. For balance, I will say that their Premier League form dropped off massively from February onwards. Like they had, what, 10, 11 chances to, to secure top four and just like screwed them all up. It had to drop, though. Yeah, but that said, they, they, I think they overperformed first half of the season, so I think things balanced out. But yeah. um, it'll be interesting to see what they do in the summer. Here's a question for you. Out of the top six... Who has had a successful season? Obviously, the top two. The rest of them, no. I would say no. You, I, you think you think Arsenal potentially winning the Europa League or Chelsea? Oh, oh, we're talking holistically. I thought we we're talking about just the league altogether. I would say as as a because I, I don't know. Would you say Tottenham has had a, a bad season if we're just looking at the league? Yes. You think they would have ended up in fourth with? not spending anything, playing three home games all my, season. My initial prediction for this league was United third and Tottenham fourth. Because Pochettino is that good to me. And Chelsea didn't know what was going to happen with Sarri, and I didn't like any of his transfers. And Arsenal, I just thought, you know, this is a club that, to me, just did not improve themselves. Although I like Emery. That's how I saw it. Okay. But I look at Tottenham, and I give Pochettino all the credit in the world. I absolutely do. But they were in a position that you should never have come down to. They were, at some point, I think in January, February, they, they were, and they were like three points off the top or something like, something stupid like this, and then they lost five in a row or so, something yep. weird like that. They finished fourth in a three-horse race, which became two. <laughs> like, they're, I'll put it this way, as shitty as Man United's season has been, there was three games where they could have overturned Tottenham. That should never have been the case. Yeah, they Tottenham got, should have been miles away yeah, last, from them. That's what I'm saying. The last few weeks of the season, they got very lucky with the results of the other teams because mm -hmm. they could have been booted out of the top four. But yep. uh, you know, everyone else was worse, and and that's where we're we're gonna get to 
uh, Manchester United. But I think we need a little bit of a break so you can wind yourself up before that. When, I, I mean, I think we were all waiting for Jose Mourinho to be sacked. I think we could see that the atmosphere at Manchester United was as toxic as we've seen at any club in the Premier League in the last few years. Probably since Mourinho was at Chelsea for the second time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think we all knew that that would happen. What we didn't know was that the club was going to appoint Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Uh, Omar, were you surprised when the Andy Circus lookalike walked through the door at Old Trafford? I was, I was happy with them bringing uh, Solskjaer, but the fact that they gave him a three-year contract after that is just so surprising. But you were happy because... you. That was them well, going to be a, shit for as, the next as, three as years. As a Liverpool fan, yeah, yeah. I'm ecstatic. <laughs> Thank you. So Thank you. I, I just need to find ways to see Bernie more often, any social event, just so I can bring it up. Mm. Um, no, but I mean, this this really summarizes how, how Manu has been, or at least the board. The board has just been in shambles, and, and Bernie, you're, you're definitely going to get a chance to talk about this, but it's just giving out these three-year, five-year contracts way too early. Jones... <laughs> Smalling, yeah. Solskjaer, Young, yeah, Ashley Young, yeah. Bernie, what do you think about it? <sighs> okay, <laughs> so um, there are a couple things that are, that are wrong with this picture. Um, the first is Jose Mourinho, like I said, never took to the guy. That that whole thing about winning the Europa League, winning three trophies, he came sixth that year, and the only reason he went so hard at the Europa League was because they were going to finish fifth or sixth. That was a fact. Um, he didn't do anything in particular that was good. The play was trash. And then they won Europa League and they got in Champions League and everyone thought, okay. Then he finished second. I give him that. I still don't understand how that happened. I, I, I mean, honestly the, don't. Honest, honest to goodness, David De Gea. Yeah. That, that's literally how, how that happened. Yeah. But then again, the rest of the Premier League was not very good. No. Liverpool were inconsistent at best that year. Chelsea, I don't even know what was going on. Conte was fighting, you know, the whole ah, team yeah. and all that. Arsenal, Arsenal. So they were the best of a shitty rest, which is kind of the story outside of Liverpool and City in this point. Yeah. But even then, they could have done a lot better. And this was what what irritated me about that was you're going on slagging off everybody. Meanwhile, you lost games you shouldn't have lost. The team could have actually performed better. Obviously, they would never have won a league, but they could have gotten a lot more points. Signing Alexis Sanchez, absolutely dumb. And I said this, all this <laughs> stuff was dumb. Now, let's get to the beginning of the season. He slags off everybody. He finds Martial for having a baby, for goodness sake. I mean, that is unacceptable. All, all, yeah. all sorts of things. And I said before the season, sack this man now because you can save this situation. They bring in Solskjaer, which I have no problem with. I had no problem with it then. Interim manager, who cares? And then... What did he do? The first 32 points out of 37 games. 37, 32 out of 37 points. Yeah. Unbelievable. Best start by any United manager ever. Best start by any manager in Premier League, period. That was literally unbelievable. Yes. And, I mean, and, yeah. and, and people said, oh, you know, small teams. He beat Spurs, he beat Chelsea, he beat Arsenal. We can talk about PSG. I don't even care about that. But those things are facts and those things happened. What the club should have done was keep it rolling. Let's wait until the end of the season. By the way, we still might have been in the same problem because they probably still would have played very well up until the season, gone to top four, giving them a three-year contract, and then maybe next year will be shit. Wait, you, you think that... I mean, yes, there, is, there was obviously massive correlation between him signing the three-year deal and your form, but was that really it? Like, you think no, if, he'd, if he'd have been on a rolling contract, you'd no, have no, made no, top no, four? No, no, like, no, that's not, that's not it. I think that there were quite a few players that once that was done, they decided... I'm good. One of them being, I'll give you an example. Paul Pogba and Marcus Rashford not having a goal and an assist for 12 games. Yeah, a bit weird. Really? Yeah. Like, yeah. You saw how hard, the first four or five games of Solskjaer, they ran more than their opponents, which had never happened under Jose Mourinho. And this is not a downing tools thing. This is just, I think something switches off in their head. And if they're still playing and still playing hard at that point, I don't think these things happen. This is, this is how I see it. But, the season, giving him a three-year contract, I can understand that. But really? No, no, I mean, like, the, the annoyance. I mean, oh, I can understand yeah, the annoyance. It, yeah. But it doesn't upset me that Solskjaer is a manager. And the reason is, we've done the, two, we've done the nepotism thing with David Moyes. We've done the two European legend managers 
who have authority and can, you know, lock down a dressing room and all that jazz. But one thing we've not done is actually try over long term a plan. Get someone in who knows what they want to do, knows the players they want to get, because Jersey Reno had no freaking idea what he wanted to do. I don't do. think Solskjaer knows it either. No. No, I think I think Solskjaer, I think he doesn't know now because he hasn't had, this is not his team. No, 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 but do you think Solskjaer has six players that he wants, that he knows off the top of his head and to improve able, United and is able to attract them? I think so, and I'll tell you why I think so. Even though I disagree with this tactic, when the news comes out that they want young British players, that means they've identified a core of players, Declan Rice, Juan Bissaka, all these guys who they, who they think can improve the team. Whether or not they do, I actually disagree with them on that notion of young English players. But that's what they want to do. So I've seen that this is what these guys want to do. I just actually disagree with it, but I, there is something there. I think that's what they're stuck with. I don't think they can attract big-name players. They're, unfortunately, they're not a big club. They're not this illustrious club where people desperately want to go to anymore. Okay, just because there are now a lot of other big clubs. And Alexis okay. Sanchez told everyone that it, it wasn't what it was made up to be. I disagree, not with the, with the, the fact that they don't do that. I think Manchester United never did this. And this is what, I wrote an article about this before. This idea of Paul Pogba and Zlatan coming, all these guys, Paul Pogba came back because he can make more money. Mino, Mino Raiola is his agent. Zlatan did the exact same thing. If Manchester United today told any player out there who was looking for a new contract, will double your wages, they are showing up. But, and why I say that Solskjaer has an idea of what he wants is because, as weird as, as it might be, he wants to go back to the blueprint that he knew. And that blueprint that he knew was young British players. So, again, I don't agree with it, but he has a strategy in mind that he wants to implement. Whether or not we agree with it is a completely different thing, but I'm willing to see it out because I saw no plan on Jose Mourinho, I saw no plan on the LVG because why are you signing Di Maria when you know you don't work well with that type of player? I've never seen a plan from a United manager in six years, and now we're going to see a plan. So let's see what happens with but, it. But that's assuming that Declan Rice, Juan Bissaka, James Madison, they're all available and only Man United is looking at them. Yes. And you're saying <laughs> it's quite a big saying, assumption. You're saying Tottenham doesn't want to go for Juan Bissaka no, and no, no. Trippier. I'm not I'm you're, not talking about getting players. I'm talking about I know the profile that you're looking for. I have no idea the profile. Can you tell me what Jose Mourinho's profile of player was? Someone that he but, would eventually hate. <laughs> exactly. So at I mean, least now I can go into it saying I understand what you want to do. And again, whether I agree with it or not is not the point. But on, on this young British thing, where has that actually come from? Like, has someone from the club actually said this is what we're trying to do? Or is this just rumor? This is, this is a rumor that came out, and, and I think multiple sources have okay. confirmed it in their own way. When okay. there's that many rumors, you know that they're being briefed. Yeah. And part of it is, and why it impresses me in a sense is, is not what Edward, Ed Woodward wants to do. Ed Woodward wants Galacticos. He sure. does not want this. So that takes me back to where this problem starts. The problem starts with Ed Woodward. He's a colossal idiot. <laughs> like, I'll give you an example. You, all the players that Manchester United have signed, think about them, like top of your head. Must Who's been I? a success since Ferguson came in? De <clears> Gea? <throat> um, no, Ferguson signed De Gea. And he won a league. Daley Blind was excellent, and then you sold him. There we go. If Daley Blind is the only one that you can think about, what does that tell you? Um, hang on, give me a minute. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be another one, doesn't there? There is isn't one. Damian was horrendous. Shaw hasn't worked out. He, I mean, he literally hasn't worked out. <laughs> you can say Juan Mata, but that's because he's a nice guy. Yeah, well, and a good footballer. Yeah, but he's uh, not done what he was supposed to do. No, Lukaku hasn't worked out. What about, like, Rashford? Academy. Youth system. Oh, so signing yeah. players from... Okay. Yeah. Um, who did Moyes sign? Fellaini, that was horrendous. You know who, you know who it is? Lindelof. As, and and, as, and <laughs> as weird as it is, it's Anthony Martial. And even then, there are... And this is what I mean. So, we can talk about Solskjaer, but it doesn't make sense when the three managers that have come in and Edward would have combined to sign players and you don't have one thing. Liverpool can say Salah. You can say Firmino. You can say Mane. You can say all these things. Pep came and brought a whole team. You can say all of them are good. But at Manchester United, you can't tell me one player. You can have Solskjaer all you want. If they bring in players that are actually good, even the former Molder manager will get top four with good players. 
So, so I think Man United right now is going through what Liverpool went through a couple of years ago. Like the Dalglish phase? Yes, and this is exactly it. This is the Dalglish phase. You bring in a former hero thinking they're going to do something. They have these short-term successes. His was very short-term, unfortunately. You give him a contract. Next season, they're going to fire him. Who were the owners when Dalglish was the manager? Um, it was... Uh, was it FSG? No, no it, was, no, it, was, it was Henry. Was, it was... No, current owners. Yeah, like their first. It was like their first season or second season or something. Now remember, sure. at that time, okay. uh, I, I think it was our second season. Remember at that time, Liverpool were it was all this nonsense about transfer committee bullshit. Yeah, whether it was Damian Camoli and I don't know who yeah. else, but there was all this talk about no one knew who was making the decisions in bringing in players. As whatever we can say about Kenny Dalglish, if there was a proper system in play, he would probably do better. Maybe he wouldn't, I mean, he definitely wouldn't do what Klopp is doing now, but he would do better. That's, that's just the fact of the matter, because he did do better in your history. But when you're signing Paul Kancheski, who makes that decision? Okay. So, uh, that, so, was <laughs> that was a Hudson. That was Hudson. That was Hudson, right? Yeah. Okay. So, so let's say the transfer committee of Man United does a great job, and they have a great strategy, and they actually implement on it. Mm-hmm. Do, you think, do you think Solskjaer is the person to take that forward? Here's what I think. If Manchester United sign Wambasaka. I don't even like him that much, but Declan Rice. Uh, James Madison. I don't even know why I think with James Madison. But if you sign like a, a proper right winger, say like Irving Lozano, all these people I've, I've heard, and you have Solskjaer, and what I've seen overall, they make top four. That's just how I see it. I don't like top four. I don't like talking about it, but they make top four. And the reason I say this is because with Solskjaer, there's this weird thing that happens where people look at him and they go, he relegated Cardiff, although he joined them when they are in a relegation zone. Nonetheless. It's, it's, it's really stupid. He made them worse. Sure, but one of the relegated Cardiff. So I don't understand all this nonsense. Like, then, then you have um, the situation of they it, totally ignore what he did right, which was the first 20 games. He had, if you look at 2019 as a whole, match I finished third. As shitty as it was, Sarri had a shitty period, Pochettino had a shitty period, Emery had a shitty period. He finished above them with what body work that he has presented. So all I say to people is, I don't, I wouldn't hire him as my permanent manager. I wouldn't. I just wouldn't. But there's this ridiculousness of, of suggesting that he's not good enough when he's been good enough. At least compared to what's around him, he has been good enough. And compared to Jose Mourinho this year, he has been good enough. I, I don't think he is. I mean, you look at the best three managers in the league. You have Club, Pochettino, and Pep. Mm-hmm. They have a game plan. Mm-hmm. I don't know what Solskjaer's game no, plan No, no, don't, don't get me wrong. What I'm saying is, over the course of what he's actually been done, over what he's actually done, if you take his stats, take anyone else's stats, he's better than Sarri, better than Emery. I'm talking about just right now. Devil. Think, what, what, he, what he's done since he came in. So I don't know if you know this, but he managed to be Man United's best he had Man United's best ever start to yes. a manager. And the worst finish. And the best ever start. Because he was an interim manager, yes. or caretaker manager, and he had the best start. And then when he became permanent, that was the worst start of any yes. Man United manager. <laughs> that's a brilliant yes. record. Yeah. And that's and that's what I'm saying to you is, I wouldn't have him as my permanent manager if I had the choice. But with the, the way that people have this discussion about him is look at the total body work that you're presented with right now. To be done. And that is... Better than Sari points wise, better than Emery points wise, and better than Pochettino points wise. That's that's a fact I can't take away from them. Yeah, so I could have to give him the benefit of the doubt to say, all right, make your team. I'll give you six months, and I would give him six months, and let's see what what happens after that. But Bernie, you're looking at that form in, in a vacuum, and I understand yeah. that you have to give him credit for the, for you know those twenty wins or whatever it was. But it, do you, I don't think you would look at him and say, over the course of the season, he would have been better than Sarri or better than any of these guys. But I, do, I don't have that information. Yeah, but you you can logic it out, given given what's happened since. And I also think that, and this might be a bit harsh on, on Solskjaer, but that run of form was so ridiculous, and frankly better than it should have been, that some of that has to be attributed to him not being Jose Mourinho. Like Mourinho had battered those guys so much that when he came in and he was positive and happy and arm around the shoulder and all that stuff, yeah. you know, that did more for him, I think, than any tactical acumen. I, I, I think there's, a, there's an element of that, but this is also why I say if you give him his own team. Like, so there's that, when we talked about that passion of Jurgen Klopp and Pochettino, players responded to this guy. You had players taking um, uh, 
pictures of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, posting them up and saying, Ole's up the wheel, this is what we want, this is this, this is this. They were, Nemanja Matic, okay, came out and said, we are playing like Manchester United way. Nemanja Matic was a Mourinho guy. You have Lukaku saying, we're now doing this, we're now doing that. Players all came and said this. Afterwards, they got tired, whatever. But when players are responding to a person, and it wasn't just a, he's not Jose Mourinho, they would not have responded to Paul Hintz. For instance, (laughs) it's like they responded specifically to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. So all I'm saying is, if he has his own team, I can expect players to follow him. But but I'm with Alex here. It's it's just that it's the change in 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 attitude. It's you bring in a positive manager. You said it. Paul Ince wouldn't fit. He's someone who's he's a negative person. You bring (laughs) in Roy Keane. He's even worse. But you bring in someone who is positive. He's gonna it's gonna attribute to that change. And he did overperform when it came to that. But then, you know, after that honeymoon phase, it's all about coaching. It's all about managing the team. And that's what he's just not good at. I'm not suggesting that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is a great manager in any way, shape, or form. All I'm suggesting is I've seen a team respond to him. I've seen him do interesting tactical things like Lukaku on the right to beat Tottenham and Arsenal. And I've wondered why he didn't do it more so, to be honest, which is actually why he irritated me. Roberto Martinez started that. Yeah, I know, and he said that. He actually attributed that to Martinez. <laughs> Belgium legend. But yeah. what, I, what I'm suggesting is, if I can see that with those players, then why not let him bring in his own players and let's see what he can do with those guys as well. Fair enough. Uh, as an Arsenal fan and Omar as a Liverpool fan, I think we can safely say we're delighted if you do that and let him do what he wants. Yes. Yes? <laughs> okay. Uh, what else we got? Uh, let's let's uh, now move on to our, our awards before we have a look at the Champions League and Europa League finals. So uh, what I want to ask you is of this Premier League season, who do you think has been the most improved player? Let's start there. Trent Alexander-Arnold. Did, but wait, did we see him last season? Yeah, he yeah, got rinsed by Marcus Rashford really? twice. Okay. And he actually attributed that to changing his positioning and understanding how to defend better. Okay. Brilliant. Omar? See, that was my option, but now I need uh, to yeah. pick someone else. No, you, okay. don't, you can agree with me. It's all right. I, I could, but <laughs> I, I would rather not. <laughs> he doesn't like to agree with you, buddy. Um, we can come back to you if you want. I think Bernardo Silva. Oh, good shout. Bernardo Silva was was good last year. He's Pep said it. He's has been the best player. Yes. If you look at consistency, mm-hmm. he has been the best player this season. Yep, agreed. Um, I'm going to go with Musa Sissoko yeah. purely because he was so utterly shit before. And the yeah. fact that he is like the linchpin of a team that's reached the Champions League final is, is completely baffling. He still baffling. looks trash, though. It's baffling. Somehow he still looks bad, <laughs> even though he's supposedly performing well. It's really weird. Yeah, yeah. if I saw him on the street, I wouldn't believe he's a football player. <laughs> <laughs> just, like, like a linebacker or something. Um, all right. Who is the player or manager that you have fallen in love with this season? Someone new that has entered your life and charmed you? Um... Can I just say Chris Hewton? Wow, what a bad day to say it. I yeah, know, and that, and, and, that's, and that might be why. Because it's happened to him in Newcastle. And I, and I thought, eh, whatever. But this is ridiculous to me. Is it? it? It's absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely. They have spent so much ridiculous. money. And? On who? Like, Jack and Bash. <laughs> say, that, say that again three times. Yeah, yeah I know. They're, they're not, they avoided relegation, what, two games ago? Yeah. Something like this. Yeah. This is where they are supposed to be. It's, there's this weird thing in the Premier League where shit clubs expect themselves to be like, do what Br- uh, Burnley did a while back. No, this does not happen. It's just, it's, uh, accept where you are and leave it alone. Hang on though, because I'm, I'm not sure about that. Because if we look at the net spend, right, of all the teams in the Premier League since June 2016 just pull mm. it up Brighton okay it goes Man City 343 million mm-hmm. Man United 310 Chelsea 203 Everton 160 Arsenal 148 Brighton wow. 130 million net spend then sack your director of football they have one you so don't sack think, him you don't look, think Hewton signed off on every player I, that came I through the door I just don't think it's Hewton's fault that they're in that situation I think Hewton brought them up right yeah and Hewton kept them up, right? Yeah. And what happened when Huddersfield, uh, David Wagner brought them up, kept them up, sacked him, they got worse. And they're never coming back up again. Don't disagree, but... So, like, just don't do it. <laughs> like, I don't understand. It's, it's just about who you replace them with. Yes. It, it's this risk you take where now, next season, they're either going to be much better or relegated. Yeah, it's a 50-50 show. I remember when uh, Nigel Atkins was sacked at Southampton 
after he brought them up. And there was outroar. It was like, oh, you're going to sack this English manager for this Spanish guy from Spain that we've never heard of. And it was Mauricio Pochettino. And then next season, Southampton were eighth. This is the only example of this. No, it's not. Because it's the one that's top <laughs> it of It really is the only one. <laughs> no, man. Like, uh, even even Hewton, when he got sacked in Newcastle, they brought in Pardew. Fifth next season. Relegated the next season. Regardless. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, right, we, we've digressed. Uh, my new love was, uh, was James Madison. I thought... Uh, I, I'd, I'd heard that he was good in the championship with Norwich hadn't ever seen him play he came up into the Premier League as a young number 10 and immediately succeeded and he's a wonderful player to watch free kicks you know set pieces through balls I think he had the most key passes in the league or something in his first season wonderful yeah yeah. for, for me it's, um, it's I'm trying to pronounce his name in my head mm. Ralph Hasenhodl Oh, he's been fun. Mm. He's he's so enjoyable to watch. Um, he, he's like Jurgen Klopp, where he's just passionate. Maybe it's in front of the cameras, maybe not. Um, but just looking at the team, I enjoy watching Southampton play. Probably because I'm also scouting for Liverpool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think they are Liverpool reserves. Yeah. So as, as a Liverpool fair. fan, you need a good Southampton team. So we we need them. We need them up in the Premier League. <laughs> we need them to be good enough. We might sign Redmond next year. We'll see. That's funny. Uh, all right, Bernie, uh, who is your worst, either the worst or your most hated player? I know you have a lot to choose from right now. Most hated player? Mm. Oh, Ashley Young. Oh, uh, would agree with you. Your there. own player. I hate your own player. I hate half of my team. I don't know what you're talking about. But more, you, you would hate them more than a Liverpool or a Man City player. Listen, well, they listen. Le, 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 understand something about Liverpool. I personally hate Liverpool. I hate Arsenal more than Liverpool because of these two frauds, like that are on the Koshcast <laughs> with us. But I categorically hate more Man U players than any other team. And in you the hate actually right more than Phil Jones. I don't hate Phil Jones. Okay. I think Phil Jones is just like a calamity. It's like he's funny. <laughs> you don't expect anything. Like his facial expressions. He gives you but good Ashley moves. Young, I hate him. Like okay. I actually hate him. Um, Omar, do you hate anyone? I a lot. Oh, but, okay. Um, Paul Pogba. Like no, I actually I love Paul Pogba, and I'm I'm shocked that he's receiving that much criticism. Um, I think I think. I just hate overrated players. So to me, it's it's one of William or Rashford. <laughs> He's so William, William is so because they've both been um, like there, there were rumors that they were both linked to Barcelona for yeah. sixty or ninety million. I'm sorry, but no. So you hate Barcelona? No, That's no, what I'm saying for entertaining I mean, that can, idea. You can make a case as to why you know, even though I think Rashford is shitty. Well, you can make a case as he's 21, whatever, like that young tax or whatever. 90 million. You can say that. Whose place is he going to take? Coutinho at this level is better than Rashford. No, he's not. Yes, he no, is. Maybe Coutinho they need a, a player for the bench when they sell Dembele. But William? Woo! Woo! And our manager went to sign William. <laughs> Kill me right now! You're talking about being excited for Ole. Holy shit, if Jose stayed, you would be over the moon. You would have William. You know why? Yeah. William also doesn't fit in that team. It's sorry ball, it's quick, and then you give it to William, and he's like, let me hold it, yeah. let me fix my afro, which doesn't even move, and then let me try a flip-flap and go backwards. He didn't even fit in Conte's team, so I don't know what... Like, I don't know what team he fits in, other so, than Shakhtar. He's so shit. Oh, God. I, I find that a little bit harsh. I still enjoy watching him play, but... Anyway. Play what? Yeah. yeah just, uh, I'd like to see him on his own, just running around with the ball. <laughs> um, Sanchez, piano, do yeah, it. Exactly. <laughs> uh, my most hated player, this is, this is entirely predictable, but Shkradran Mustafi needs to get off my planet. Just get off my planet. Absolutely useless piece of nonsense. You know what I don't like about him? It's it's anything. Yes, but other than that. Yeah. He's he's a very bad player, but anything that happens, he's always blaming someone yes. else. Yes. Mm-hmm. He keeps someone on side like by 5 yards. Ref, why didn't you call that? <laughs> yeah. Even if if there's VAR, he's still going to be like, ref, why didn't you check VAR again? He has no like, awareness whatsoever. If he somehow manages to remain in the Arsenal squad over the summer, I might just quit. You would I have might, to. yeah. It's just, just football manager. Right, your own intro. Forget it. Um, okay, last one. Uh, who, which player would you most like to be mates with? I'll, I'll, I'll start this time. Uh, Aubameyang. He seems like a quality bloke, and he's just always down for a laugh. Aubameyang, like a, a cool guy to hang out with. Yeah, like I'm jealous of Alex Lacazette. A because you know he's a striker in, in the Premier League, yeah. and that would be nice. But also because he gets to be mates with Aubameyang. Oh, uh, Juan Mata. 
Yeah. I think he's a really nice guy. And he has a food. restaurant, so I'll get, get to eat for free. <laughs> and, like, he has a good taste for, for food, I'm sure. So, yeah. I feel like Juan Mata is going to make you feel so bad. He's so for charitable. For, I'm a shitty nice person. Guy. Yeah, you're going to think, like, you're so horrible compared to Juan Mata. Um, for me, it's Trent. Um, okay. After after the final season game, uh, there's a Champions League game happening in two weeks. Everyone's tired. They just did the lap of honor, and he's there in Anfield with his friends, crossing the ball to them. Just no like, way. The guy loves the sport. He's just such a cool guy, and and he sits with the fans when he's out injured. He he seems like he's such a a laid back person. Nice. Not a bit young for you. <sighs> Who do you want me to pick? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Bruno just from Huddersfield or Brighton or wherever you. <laughs> Thirty-eight year old. No, fair enough. Uh, I'm sure we'd all we'd all like to be on the end of a Trent cross. Yeah, good. You know. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break. Then we'll uh, preview the Champions League and Europa League finals. All right, so we're still talking about the Premier League, even though we're not talking the Champions League because it is an all English final in that competition, as well as in the Europa League. Uh, Liverpool versus Spurs. Um, just go back a little bit. Liverpool came back from a 3-0 first leg deficit. 4 nothing. Wow. Astonishing. Omar, just what was going through your head? It's it's amazing because even watching the first leg, yeah, they lost 3 nothing, but they definitely did not deserve to lose by 3. Probably did not even deserve to lose that game. Mm-hmm. Messi brilliance, um, really good or effective Barca play. But then that second game at Anfield, I knew it was going to be a win. I just did not expect it to be three or four. Mm-hmm. It, it was it was amazing. I mean, it was it was scenes. I think is is the word. And, and Liverpool, when they get that momentum behind them, there's something else. And Arsene Wenger, it was is he on BN Sports or something? Yeah. Anyway, he he was like, there is one place you don't want the second leg. It is Anfield <laughs> because with, you know the fa- the fans basically. And he's right. They just there's there's a momentum that they create. In a home game where they get one and you're like, right, it's coming. But you still thought three nothing, and last year with the Remontanda, whatever against Roma for Barcelona, that it was not. I don't care for if you're the best team I've ever seen in the world. You just thought this was not going to happen again, and it was worse. Like this was far worse. They couldn't even get one. And what impressed me about Liverpool was the way they handled Messi. Yes, he had a couple chances. He always will. But the way that the team collectively handled Lionel Messi, I have not seen that in years. That was unbelievable. Yeah. Well, I think I think something that stood stood out about Liverpool this season has been their athleticism all around the pitch. I mean, they they have a slow player. I can't think of one. They're just every single one of them is a, is a Lovren. But he wasn't. Was he playing? That doesn't matter. Yeah. So just when you have that many people who are able to cover that amount of ground, like Messi, who just wasn't afforded any space, and it was brilliant. Yeah. Um, so going into the final, what do you think? Well, Spurs did the same thing. I guess if we're going to cover the semi-finals first, yeah. Spurs did a similar thing, except that in the second leg, they created the bigger deficit for themselves mm-hmm. by going two 0 down. Ajax at that point looked fantastic, playing fantastic football picking Spurs off almost at will you almost felt like if they'd pushed it even more in that first half they could have really run away with it I, um, I, th- I think the only difference is Liverpool won the tie but in the other semi-final Ajax lost it mm. I don't think Spurs won it I don't think they were incredibly convincing they were the worst team for 90 minutes in the first game and then 45 minutes in the second game yep and and if Ziyech had put away that that one chance, a side foot off off that, ju- I think it hit the post, just went yeah. wide a little yeah. bit. Yeah. That's that's game over. But it's even game management. Like ninety third minute, ninety, just go to the corner. Like I know you love playing beautiful football, but yeah. just go to the corner. You have to be ugly once in a while. I think Tadic Tadic realized. Yeah, you, you could see in his reaction after the game because it was him that had a shot instead of going to the He's corner. Just replaying those scenarios in his head. 100%. Yeah. I, and and, and yeah. sorry, Benny, um, Mourinho, as we were talking about earlier, oh, fuck that guy. Loved, <laughs> absolutely loved tearing into Ajax and Ten Hag after the game and saying basically that, that they're just, philosophy is great, but you need, you know, pragmatism, but game the, management, yeah. The other thing is, you know, I think a lot of people were very impressed by Delit. Um, You know, the way he leads, he's only 19, score-headed goals. But I... In this situation, I think there were two times when he was at fault. Yep. The Lucas Moura second goal, and I and the third one as well, where I thought this tiki taka stuff that all these teams do—it's wonderful, it's brilliant, it's great to watch, all that stuff. But the 
act and the art of defending, when it really comes down to it, Van Dyke is able to do it. And this is what I, I've said many times. We can talk about you know, Pep Guardiola teams, but they don't know how to defend. They actually don't. One-on-one -on -one defending, Van Dyke knows how to do it. Dillett does not know how to do it. I've seen it against Ronaldo's headers. I've seen it three times now where I thought, you can pass the ball, sure, but actual defending, that's very suspect. And that's why they lost this game. Well, I think, I mean, you know, he's, he's a prodigy, but at 19, you don't expect a central defender to be ready, generally. Central defenders usually, you know, 23, 24, 25, you start to see them in the first team. But, but to Bernie's point, are these things that you can, like, if it's just a matter of tactical awareness, you can definitely learn that. Yeah. But losing 1v1 battles on a regular, is that something you can learn by 25? I think Not maybe. Sure. But my problem is is that, and I'd have him today, but a lot of people who were already talking about Delit as, well, he's this 19-year-old, but he has the maturity and experience of a 25-year-old. It's like, actually, no, he doesn't. Because Daily Blind actually has been the one mopping up when he's been positionally suspect and not getting enough credit because of this 19-year-old Rolls-Royce. True, although Blind got absolutely dominated by Philando Llorente. Yeah. I mean, Llorente had the best half of football in life. Have you seen his height? Was, <laughs> I know, it was ridiculous. But even then, tactically, you think, okay, I've seen for 30 minutes Llorente beating Blind, and they didn't do anything to change it. They didn't stick a taller player back there to help deal with them. So I think, you know, we can blame De Litt, but Ten Hag, who deserves a ton of credit, did fail to, to stop what was you know, obviously happening. So let's move to the final now. I think Liverpool are strong favourites for this. As you said, Spurs weren't good in the semi-final, really, apart from moments. And they haven't been good in the league. And so, and now there's two weeks break, which kind of introduces an element of randomness to this. But and more time for Harry Kane to, you know, actually oh, he, <laughs> present he will, himself. Mate, he, he's declaring himself fit, 100%. But, but, it's, but, but is that a good thing, though? Kane it remains has, to be seen. Kane has not played well at all against Van Dyke. Nope, it's true. Well, uh, he did Don't it count for Southampton. Southampton. Don't but, count Southampton, yeah. because now he has other people to mop up for him if need be. But has anyone played well against Van Dyke? I mean, you've conceded the least goals in the league. Liverpool are... Man City, maybe, you can say. I mean, because they're the only team that beat them, so sure, yeah. by default. But then you do what Llorente did. Just go to the other defender. And I don't think... Kane coming back, I feel like it creates more static, um, staticness or... You know, around that team. When you have Son and Lucas, you can use that pace and take advantage of it. You have yeah, Kane, you're depending the, on that The physical. only thing about that is, I think this idea of Son, Luke, and Lucas is a bit of an outlier in that they were not doing anything against, um, what's this team? Ajax, until the big man showed up. Until they could actually have a target man in Llorente to free up space for those guys. And I think Harry Kane is not the physical beast of Llorente, but Harry Kane is a better football player. And if you want someone to take up Van Dyke to allow you to have some space, I think you need Harry Kane. I, I also think it doesn't matter what we think. I mean, if he <laughs> declares himself fit, which he will, He's the playing. club will play him. Yeah. So, and, yeah. and they're going to lose 2 0. Liverpool are going to win. I, I think that's there, likely. There's this rumor that they might play five in the back. So they play their three-star defenders and then Trippier and, and Danny Rose. But the problem with that is every time they played that against Liverpool, Salah and Mane don't have the space, but Firmino has tons of space mm. because the midfielders never track back, yeah. depending on the center. But back. hey, you want to sell Firmino, so eh, whatever. He's not <laughs> yeah. going to do anything. <laughs> or at least play him as a tank. Yeah. And, um, and you did say they're strong favorites. My only concern is Klopp has a horrible record in finals. So does Pochettino. He though. has none. Pochettino has no record. Well, was there a League <laughs> Cup final? He lost the League Cup final. But yeah, other than that, he We're really got talking to about this? Well, I'm just saying. I, I'd rather have made it to the finals. I, I'd know? rather have won a league against a Bayern Munich team and gotten to the previous Champions League final where I can actually say I learned something than have not had a record in it at all. Yeah, I, I do think there is something to needing to fail to win to an extent. To, to, to know what it means to deal with the pressure at the end of the season in these in these big games, I think Liverpool having been there last season, as disastrous as that was, I think might help them a lot. Yeah, and, and it also goes down maybe to which team has the better impact players uh, coming out of the bench. Liverpool have Origi, which on paper doesn't sound great, but he's <laughs> he's had phenomenal moments with, with some of the, the, the goals, the late goals he scored. And Shaqiri don't, don't have players. Well, no, they don't. Kyle Walker-Peters. Oh. Yeah. Um, like, Ben Davis has literally been coming off the bench at the end of these games. But if Kane does start, one of Son or Lucas will have to drop, presumably. 
So they might they'll have a bit more than they would have in the semifinal. Yeah, they, I was thinking about that. Did they have to? Because you have Dyer, um, Ericsson, and and Dele Alli. Dyer's not a football player. De- I, I, yeah. I, I'm not disagreeing. <laughs> I'm just saying this is what's going to happen. It depends on the system. I, it, yeah. You mentioned that they might go five at the back, which I think is is a possibility. In which case, yeah, no, because then you have three central midfielders and two up top, which is one of Kane and Son or Lucas. And then if they go for two, three, one or something. You still have to get Delhi, Ericsson, Lucas. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think they can do all three. Okay. We'll so see. I think we all agree Liverpool are going to win this, and you agree with us too. I'm, I'm really hoping for it, but I, I don't <laughs> want to jinx it yet. Fair okay. enough. June right. second, I want. Europa League, all English as well. Yeah, we're out of time, so let's just do predictions here. Uh, Arsenal, 2 1. Aubameyang gets a brace. Actually, sorry, by my hand, like, exactly. they both have to score. They both have to score. I, I actually agree that Arsenal are going to win this. I think Chelsea. I think Hazard is going to have an amazing game. Uh, Loftus-Cheek is really going to pick it up. And both are going to be sold. I, <laughs> fair enough. I just want to see Loftus-Cheek standing next to Lucas Torreira. I think that would be very, very funny. And Gunduzi. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right, let's, uh, let's wrap it up. Yeah, we're out of time. Uh, we want to talk about Campiel. Interesting stuff. We will put it on the Twitter, and uh, you can follow along. Sure. TFC lost. Yeah, they're, they're trash. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, we only care about the Raptors in Toronto now, but whatever. <laughs> so we will uh, see you guys. We'll talk to you guys next time. Yes, Omar, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks, guys. I really enjoyed it. All right. Thank you for downloading the Koshcast. Get in touch at underthekoshblog at gmail.com, follow us on Twitter at under underscore the kosh, and for articles, predictions, and the full experience, go to underthekoshblog.com. Is she okay?